Welcome to the Ogilvy Podcast, where we feature expert conversations and analysis on the complexities of culture, technology, business, and marketing. I'm Steve Mudd, marketing strategist and agent provocateur, talking to you today from our offices in Chicago, Illinois. My guest today is Sharita Lucas, who works at our Chicago office. She is the Director of Digital Content Delivery. Is that right? That sounds just about right. And what does that mean? <laughs> Well, I oversee a group of editors, designers, and librarians who are responsible for delivering currently e-commerce content at the speed of digital. How fast is the speed of digital? Yeah, that's a good question. It's never fast enough. Um, Last year in fiscal year um, 18, I think we were scoped to deliver somewhere between 350, 380 deliverables for the year. And this year we're scoped to deliver somewhere between 14 and 18,000 deliverables. Wow. How do you scale from... 300 to 14,000. All right. So the first thing that you have to do is you got to get the right people. Right. So now we've we've hired on a group of specialists and all that they do is they focus on developing um, uh, the deliverables for e-com. The next thing that's really important is making sure that you have the right tools. So we're looking at a lot of integrated tools and partnering with Adobe and and trying to make sure that that we're scaling using tools like um, um, AEM. Um, we're looking into programmatic applications. We're looking for applications that can help us with online advertising. So it's the tools. So we're working on tools and people and processes. So I'm I'm, I'm kind of old school. I'm I'm pretty good at Microsoft Word, Microsoft Excel, uh, PowerPoint. Excellent. You know, I've built some good PowerPoint slides. How do you learn all those new tools, or how do you get the team up to speed with so many different things out there? Yeah, I think the you, the reason why I was chosen for this role is because I have a technical background. I've been with Ogilvy for almost 30 years now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So because a lot of what we're doing now in the digital space revolves around technology, you needed to have someone who kind of understands not just the technology, but also how the business works and what digital means in general. So, Sharita, that, that's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I, I yeah. would say most people who've been in our industry for 30 years are not in the digital role. Yeah, yeah, because it's, it's pretty new, too, you know, kind of what, what we're doing these days. Um, you know, our clients are asking for us to deliver assets faster and, and quicker, and that we have to be agile, and we have to make sure that we're, we're set up to, to be um, flexible and, and, and those types of things, right? In the old days when you dealt with traditional advertising, you had... Um, long timelines to get things done, right? You worked off of retainers and everything was so glamorous and all these different photo shoots and the travel and, you know, it was all really glamorous. When you talk about e-com now and online, all of that has changed now. It's a lot faster paced. Um, that it's not anywhere near as glamorous <laughs> as you know uh, as what you're used to seeing when you're working in advertising. So it's a different mindset. You know, trying to understand the differences between the two. And how have you remained agile? 
How have I remained agile? Being in technology and having that background, it's just one of those things that happens, right? Because technology is always changing. And having been in the field for 30 years, it's just something that I've become accustomed to, right? Because, um, I don't know, it's always changing, just like digital is always changing. So it feels like the, the perfect fit. What was the first technology that you remember learning at Ogilvy? Ooh, um, um, was it like the the Commodore or was um, 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 Unix? I can't. I remember exactly. It's been a long, long time. But I know that there were no GUI interfaces, and at the time, everything that we did was um, typed at the commands, um, typed at the prompt. Mm -hmm. So there were no GUI interfaces. And when I started, I didn't start in technology. I actually started as a word proce a word processing specialist. And there weren't a lot of computers around back in the 1990s when I started out. Um, the administrative assistants and the word processing specialists, they were the ones who had those old clunky laptops. And any and, and all of the account and copy folks, they hand wrote everything and then they delivered the handwritten copies to the word processors and admins and then they would type that in. But there was none of this networking business. It was just all, you know, kind of stuff siloed and separate. When you put it in perspective like that, it really gives you an appreciation of everything that has changed in, oh, in a very yeah. short period of time. Oh, yeah. We've come <laughs> a very, very long, long way. Yeah, for sure. Now, I've been told you also have a great story about how you actually got to Ogilvy or before before you what is your what is your life story? Tell me everything about your life. Tell this will be a long <laughs> podcast. We're going to do five hours on the life of Sharita Lucas. Everything about my life. Well, um, let's see. Where do I start? Um, when I say I've been with Ogilvy for 30 years, I became part of Ogilvy as part of um, acquisitions. I started on a sales promotion agency in downtown Chicago back in 1990 and um, right out of secretarial school. <laughs> yeah. I worked at McDonald's right out of high school, and I was just kind of one of those people that just thought that I was going to, I don't know, become a manager at McDonald's. I'm a first-generation college student. My mom and my dad, neither one of them have not even high school diplomas, right? So there wow. was, and I'm the first of three. So there was never any talk about going to school. It was like you got out in higher education, you got out and you did the work and, you know, maybe you progressed and, and at McDonald's or someplace. I don't know. So I ended up going to secretarial school after um, leaving McDonald's and I got a job out of secretarial school as a runner for a company. And, and again, that was just literally running copies of um, files and paper up and down the stairs. Because <laughs> yeah, there, again, no technology, no networking, right? Now there's right? a cable that <laughs> does the same thing. Not yeah. even any cables. It was these feet <laughs> the that walked yeah. up and down. Yeah, no Wi-Fi. <laughs> And I did that for a little bit of time, and I ended up, long story short, I ended up at the sales promotion agency, and there was an opportunity to um, to start working in um, networking and actually working with our, our new computers that had come in, really, really old machines. And, um, yeah, um, from there, I 
I don't know, the rest is history. I was the manager of technology, and then I took a role as a regional technology director, and then I worked on the global side doing some security and compliance work, and now I'm overseeing um, the delivery of content. Like I said, I'm very proud that um, as a first-generation um, 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 college student. I never did get my college degree um, back in the in the 1990s when computers were just really taken off. You know, certifi- I am certified as a systems engineer. I, I did a lot of that work, right? Because that that held more weight than just a bachelor's degree. You know, um, so I did that. Um, and I have a three children. I have three sons, uh, two sons, and one daughter. <laughs> I forget too sometimes. Yeah, it's yeah. And my oldest son is a second year medical student at um, one of the prominent um, um, medical schools in Chicago. So, yeah, having not gone through and gotten my degree, but gone an alternate route, I was able to instill some 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 really good values in my children. And hopefully, you know, going forward, they'll get better. That's a reflection of that agility and. That's a great tie-in. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I mean when I say being flexible and agile. That's how you do it for sure. That's how you do it. Yeah. Yeah. And and what would your mother say to you now? My mother would. What does she say to you? My mother is my is uh, my biggest fan. Yeah. yeah. Again, she was 16 years old when she had me. And I guess everything that I do is magnificent and marvelous. You know, she's always told me that it doesn't matter where you came from. That does not determine where you will ultimately end. So I listened to that and that's always stayed with me. And yeah, she's my biggest fan and my biggest inspiration. Yeah, I'm glad you asked about her. <laughs> How could you leave the exciting world of compliance? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't know who's going to be listening to this, but I love everything about my job in Ogilvy. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. That didn't really fit too well with my personality, as you can tell, but I made it work. (laughs) I I, I came uh, prior to to Ogilvy. I worked for Xcel Energy in Denver, a regulated utility. So I I have got I I have filed rate cases and testified in rate cases in front of the utilities commissions and things. So I know I know the joy of regulatory and compliance type work. Yeah, and that changes a lot too. And it's you know we we were dealing with a lot of the Brexit stuff that's going on, and all of the compliance requirements around being part of a global organization. You know, there you're always a target for hackers and things out there, and then vendor you know contracts, and and then going through and doing the the um, vendor risk assessments and things like that. It's all that stuff that you put your head down and you're in the trenches and you do it, and you really don't have access to. A lot of real people. It's kind of lonely sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody has to do it. But somebody's got to do it. Somebody's in the in the building, kind of there. Yeah. Well, what do you see? What do you see for your next ten years at Ogilvy? What are your plans? Oh, for my next my next ten years at Ogilvy, I don't know. You know, being at Ogilvy to me is feel it feels like I I've had five or six different jobs, and that's the one thing that I love about Ogilvy. It's like I don't know what the next journey is going to be, but I'm here for it. 
And you have become a, a champion of diversity across the network as well. Oh, that is that is true. And, yeah. And what what have you done? What, how do you see the um, emergence of, of diversity as a focus? Yeah. Um, how has that impacted you, and how do you think that's impacted the agency? Yeah. You know, having worked in adverti- in the advertising field for as long as I have, I've noticed that there is a discrepancy or disparity when it comes to just um, the, the diversity uh, in, in advertising in general. And when you think about the world and how it's changing and how we are c- creating campaigns that support a, a global market it only makes sense that we have people in-house that, that represent the world that we're creating advertisements for. So it's part of um, Diaspora, and I'm so grateful that Ogilvy is a champion of these professional networks. Um, we look to work with the leaders to, to close that gap. You know, and so they look to us, and 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 I'm really grateful for that. That they look to us for for our feedback. They want to know what we think, and and I think as a basis of what we've told them, and just kind of the leadership here in general, I've seen a dramatic change in the amount of diversity. You start talking about. Um, I don't know, the dimensions of differences is what I think about, mm. you know, and, and and someone said this one time to me and it made a lot of sense. It's like when you look at boxes of crayons and you have an eight box of crayons with eight colors in it and someone throws that box in, in front of you and said, create a masterpiece or the next person that's sitting next to you, they get this box with 150 crayons in it. And then you tell that person to go off and create something creative and marvelous and wonderful. Which one do you think is ultimately going to be the most brilliant creative idea? You know, so, yeah. That's, that's lovely. That's a good yeah. analogy. Yeah. Um, so to tie that all together, how do you think that, that diversity manifests itself in this rapid content world? How does that help us accelerate the, the pace of what we have to do? That's a good question. That's a deep question. <laughs> huh. Rephrase that for me. We only have deep listeners to this podcast. <laughs> uh, we're going for the higher, the higher philosophical. Um, yeah. I, I guess to your, to your point, the, the quality of our work um, and the, our ability to reach a broader realm of, of people That's right. um, increases with diversity. And, yes, and it does. Um, and, and maybe it's not it even the right question. It only makes us better. Yeah. It makes us better, right? Um, and so how, I'm curious how that manifests itself in your world when it comes to content creation, when it comes to looking at how you approach clients and dealing with client work. Yeah. Does, does, it, does it influence or, is it, it's, it, or do you approach it the, the same way? It just happens to be with a diverse set of people. Yeah, I think that this is broader than just the content garage you know, and and what I, what I'm hopeful that over the last couple of years, what what we've been seeing is that when it comes to clients, clients are on board. Clients are actually um, taking the lead and demanding that their partners invest in diversity because they understand the importance of uh, everything that we just talked about. They are developing products for a global environment, and a lot of them you know, understand the importance of diversity, and they only want to partner with organizations that are aligned to their understandings and they, you know, their values as well. So I am encouraged by that, seeing the clients actually doing that mm-hmm. and, and pushing forward. 
Yeah, this is much broader than the content garage. <laughs> yeah. But again, I, I really just have to say, though, I am just so grateful to work for an organization that is taking the lead in a lot of ways when it comes to diversity. They understand that the, there are dimensions of differences and how important that is and all the work and everything that we that we do here. It's not just the work. It's also a cultural thing, too. Right. Getting to understand and 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 meet with people that you don't necessarily or ordinarily would meet in your own environment, you know, but you can come to Ogilvy and meet a lot of different and brilliant people. It's a great place to work. It feels representative of the world that we live in. So for brands or companies who maybe haven't embraced diversity in the same way, how would you suggest to them or advise that they get started and that path to, to being more diverse? Yeah. I'm going to say, first off, if you don't, you're going to die at some point. It's just, right? It, it, it's going to have to happen. Um, what you have now is you have the younger generation of folks who are demanding it as well. Um, they're out there. They're looking and using social media, and it's really important topic for them. So if you want to um, attract talent or diverse talent or these brilliant creative people that are out there, they're going to want to work for a company that supports them and their understanding of how the importance of diversity, number one. You also have the clients that are out there. Again, it goes back to them. If you're going out there and you're going to want their work, um, then you're going to have to show them that you're serious about diversity as well. So it's coming in a lot of direction, in a lot of different directions. And, and yeah, I guess the only thing I say is if you get on board or you go out of business. There definitely seems to be a sea change in how people are approaching issues of, of diversity mm -hmm. from, um, yeah, multiple different layers and, and, um, and viewpoints. You know, I look at, like, my son is, is in college, and uh, they now ask, uh, what's your pronoun? You have to answer what your pronoun is when you're there. Yeah. To me, that, it, it yeah. seems odd. So you, yeah, the, for old gender, folks like know. us, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are things that even we have blind spots, mm -hmm. uh, too, mm -hmm. at, at mm -hmm. a certain point. <laughs> but here's the thing. It's like, I mean... If you stay in your own little bubble of sameness, then you never come to understand or recognize or respect those differences. But if you are in an environment like an Ogilvy, right, that's kind of ahead of the curve and they have people around, right, that are younger and, you know, I guess, I don't know, more in line and more in tune, they can teach you things that you can't learn elsewhere, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think of my job as just being here as a great teaching opportunity as well because I get to interact with people that I might not otherwise have access to. I absolutely have had the same experience. We've yeah. been able to pitch a couple clients where we we've pulled in um, experts from Brazil and Singapore, everywhere, and, and, yeah, just just around the world, and I, I, the world is is smaller. You, you almost right. have to have. If you're a company with a very small footprint, you mm -hmm. know, it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like you're going to have the capability to not in the global that. environment. No, as I yeah, most of the companies that don't get on board won't be here five to ten years from now. Hmm. That's my prediction. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and so what's your, yeah. what's your content prediction? What's going to happen in the next five to ten years of content creation? How fast can we possibly yeah, get? Yeah, yeah. You know, we're doing some really exciting things right now. We're looking at different types of technology that's going to take us to the next level where we start to talk about things like programmatic advertising, when we start to talk about online advertising and um, um, natural language generation, um, a lot of the um, AI technology that's out there. Once we start to engage in that, right now we're working in what we're calling our current state, but we have a lot of big plans for future state, and we're hoping to partner with the the org, you know, like the Adobe's of the world. And I know that there are some WPP companies also that are venturing in this space, and we're hoping that we can align and and learn from one another. Yeah, and we, and just figure out how fast we can take this, right? Because <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. How many ads can I possibly see on my phone at one time? (laughs) (laughs) What we're doing is, I mean, just to get to to meet that 14,000 deliverables uh, a year, uh, the Content Garage is pumping out somewhere between 200 to 250 assets a week. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It is mind boggling. Yeah. How do you ensure that those 250 yeah. assets are, are quality assets? Yeah. Yeah. They... And that, and that's the other thing, too, because the clients do look to us not. Yeah. what That's a good question. It's like, why? It's just an assembly line. Why can't I just punch some buttons and spit out some imagery? Well, no, we are brand stewards as well. Right. So there are some aspects of the deliverables or the content that we're pushing out that we can automate to a certain extent. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of it that still requires our creative handholding. So we don't ever want to lose sight of 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 that. We we still remain the the brand and creative stewards for our clients. It occurs to me, too, that our, our clients need to some of them need to relax Yes. And trust us. Yes. Because um, I, you know, I know there, there are pieces of content that often will go through six, seven, eight, nine, ten, yeah. eleven, thirteen, you know, yeah. ver- version sixteen of, of approvals. Yes, I, we I feel like those days are gone. Yeah, they are gone. And and I'm glad that you brought that up. Our cadence in the content garage, and this goes back to not only educating the client about the difference between marketing ads and transitional ads, um, we have to train them and teach them that. And we spend a lot of time with Amazon and the specialists at Amazon understanding best practices and making sure that we understand how to build the best in-class product description pages or or um, or the, the keywords that are going to drive our clients' products to the top of the search engine. Because at the end of the day now in digital, it's all about being at the top of the search engine and driving those consumers to the buy button. But also internally, we have to teach our teams how our workflow is different. Yeah, we can't have 15 people, you know, approving um, uh, an Amazon product description page, mm-hmm. right? And the way that one of the ways that we get around that is we use all existing assets. So any of the assets that are already out there in social channels that have already been used for photo shoots that are already out there on the web, we take a lot of that content and we recurate it. We take a lot of the copy that's already been out there and legally approved and we recurate that as well. Well, so we can bypass a lot of the the legal 
you know, those all those steps that we need to take to get through legal, all the additional steps we need to get through creative, that's already been done. Mm-hmm. So we know the content that we're repurposing has already gone through all of that. So there is no need to have an entourage of folks looking at things. <laughs> and our cadence in the content garage is typically from a Monday where we're kicking off through a Friday for a client review. And then we circle back around and we do it all over again. Hmm. It's really super fast. It's funny to think. I, f- I feel like uh, a lot of a lot of what we do is still focused on A B testing, and you've got like A B C D E F G. Like you, 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 if you have two hundred and fifty assets out there, you could test very quickly what's working and what's not working. And yes, and that's cut the, the low performers. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of of the digital work that we do, right? So if we're not sure that a certain strategy is going to be as effective as we'd like it to be out there. We can go and run analytics against what's out there and then change things on the fly because once it's out there, it only takes a push of a button to swap some things out, right? So those mm-hmm. low performers can be pulled down right away and can be replaced with you know, with pieces that make more sense. And is um, I'm just curious, is, is the client involved with that decision to pull it or do you just set like a... Uh, a bar that says anything performing less than this percent, we just cut automatically. Yeah, we use an organization. We use organizations that specialize in that, like mm. your profiteers of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they go in and they and they and they check all of that out for us. Yeah, and they send us back the reports based upon some analytics that they have. So we don't do that ourselves. We use um, a third party company mm-hmm. that does that and reports back to us. Is this realm of high velocity content out of the out of the range of smaller companies and smaller brands? Is this something only the big companies can really embrace? No, I don't think it's something. I think right now it is the bigger companies that's embracing it. I think the model probably does fit better for the larger global organizations that don't have an e-commerce footprint currently, and they want to get a lot of their assets in the market fast. You know, and also the the other part of what the content garage does is we develop a lot of the masters. So when you're in a global organization and you have local markets that need to adapt or adopt some of your material, this model works best for that, too. Right. So those guys can go out there and look at the masters that we've already created and go out and order it and pull it down and then just adapt it for their markets without having to recreate any of the content from scratch. Hmm. So there's the extension of the model, right? So it's not just us here working locally, but it's an extension of the model out into the local markets that are global as well. So having said that, I think it might be a model that works best for larger global organizations. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if everyone keeps acquiring everyone else, too, eventually we'll all be part of a large global organization. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's part of the story I kind of ran through. I think um, I jumped right to sales promotion to Ogilvy, but there were three different acquisitions in the middle of that, yeah, before I landed here. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. For that next generation, you know, the kids that are coming up, your 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 your, your grandchildren in the future, uh, my grandchildren in the future— what what do you say to them about life about the future about everything that's changing in the world to be honest i'm i'm glad that i am not one of them i mean you know <laughs> everything is just i mean we are moving quickly but i think that the world that they exist in will move even faster 
then we're moving today. And, and I have concerns, having worked in security and compliance in my life, about, you know, privacy and just the sheer amount of data that's out there and just this information about you that uh, these companies and these people know more about you than you know about yourself these days. So I would just, I don't know, be, be cautious, but not so cautious that you um, are afraid Um to get out there and explore, um, be good to one another, um, travel the world, see the world. That's something that I never got a chance to do. It, I think it, it teaches you how to respect other people and cultures. And I think that um, that's something that's missing today is we're not nice enough to one another. Sharita, thank you so much Aww. for being on the Ogilvy podcast. This thank has been you. tremendous. Um, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Ogilvy Podcast. Ogilvy is a creative network making brands matter across 132 offices in 83 countries. I'm Steve Mudd, your host and marketing strategist. Join us next time when we explore the hidden connections between Lady Gaga, the Odd Fellows, and international hacktivist group Anonymous.